Welcome to Middle School Matters Podcast number 528. Take your victories where you can, like maybe British Columbia. We've got uh, we've got some jokes for you this week. We're going to talk about things that are happening uh, throughout the middle school um, region, shall we call it a region, like British Columbia is a region. We've got some wonderful resources for your classroom. So without further ado, here's the wonderful, the magnanimous Mr. Troy Patterson. No, really, I said no. <laughs> All right, welcome back to the show. I am Troy Patterson, and with me is the world's greatest co-show host, Mr. Sean McGurk. Hey, Sean. Well, hello there. How are you? I'm good. Even though you said no, I hit I know. record. So I've always wondered what he would say because he always asks me if you're ready, and I wondered what <laughs> would happen if I ever said no. And it turns out, <laughs> not, it turns out nothing. He doesn't happens. really care if you're ready. Or <laughs> it's, not. It's, it's not a serious question. <laughs> <laughs> It's rhetorical. <laughs> I'm pushing the button. No, stop. No. Hey, have you tried blindfolded archery? I can't say that I have. You really don't know what you're missing. That, you know, and and, and I'm just not willing to take that shot in the dark. There you go. What's bigger than a tuna? What's bigger than a tuna? I don't know. What is bigger than a tuna? <laughs> Athena. <laughs> oh, Athena. Uh, what rock group has four guys who don't sing? Four guys who don't sing in a rock group? Uh, that'd be Mannheim Steamroller. <laughs> Sorry. It's the time of year. I don't know. Uh, what uh, What is uh, a rock group that has four guys who don't sing? Mount Rushmore. Mount Rushmore. Sure enough. How do cats make coffee? Cats making coffee? Mm-hmm. That sounds like a, an abstract uh, or modernist painting, doesn't it? It does. Dogs playing cards, cats making coffee. I don't know. How they do make it, cats make coffee? They make it in a percolator. Oh, it's like their money. They earn it. Mm. I had to stop going to the chiropractor. You did? Mm-hmm. He kept trying to manipulate me. I, indeed. Indeed. Hey, here's a thought for you. Yeah. How do you know when you run out of invisible ink? I can read Troy's writing and the jokes where he puts the answers. <laughs> uh, I don't know. How do you how do you tell when you're out of invisible ink? Uh, I don't know. I didn't check to see if you did it in white. There's no there's no punchline there. That you're is right. The punch you didn't. Line. No, that is that's the question. Yeah, that's it. I have a friend who's uh, dating a guy who's cross-eyed. Oh, I don't think really? it's going to work out, though. Why is that? They just don't see eye to eye. Ah, I see. <clears throat> um, how much does it cost Santa to park? Really? Santa, um, I don't know. How much does Santa pay to park? Nothing. It's yeah? on the house. Oh, sure enough. Indeed. Yeah, yeah. There are more jokes over at uh, middleschoolmatters.com, including what I think should be a woodcut. Yes. Yep. So, yeah. So head on over there and check out the additional jokes. Make sure you get the jokes so you can add them into your class, add them into the glossary, all of that good stuff. Um, Share them with your... 
with your teammates, with your students, um, whomever you are sharing them with. They are right there and available. Um, <clears throat> the You can also head over to middleschoolmatters.com to get a link to listen to just the Middle School Science Minute as well, if you want to do that. Um, there's some problems here with language and science. Oh. Yeah. Yes. And, yes. And, and um, Dave is going to let us in on some of these. Um, mm -hmm. He lets us know why there's, you know, certain terms and, and the language of science that causes confusion. So here, without further ado, is the mm -hmm. wonderful, the fantastic, Mr. Dave Bidlowski in the Middle School Science Minute. Hi, my name is Dave Bidlowski of K12science.net, and this is your K12 Science Podcast. I was recently reading the November-December 2021 issue of Science and Children, publication of the National Science Teaching Association. And I was reading the section Science 101 written by Matt Bobrowski. And he asked the question, why do certain terms in the language of science cause so much confusion? And his answer started off with, teaching and learning require language. And in science, the language needs to be quite precise. Once the vocabulary is clear, Teachers can explain concepts and ask students questions, and students can understand, participate in discussions, and ask their own questions. Language in the science classroom includes both technical, scientific terms and non-scientific words. There are three situations that cause difficulty. One, when a term has both a scientific and a non-scientific meaning, and the two are different. Number two, when students have misconceptions that the teacher is unaware of. And three, when teachers have a misconception about the meaning of a scientific term or about how scientists do their work. Some problematic words include theory, law, and hypothesis. Let's first look at theory. The term theory is probably the most common example where understanding is hampered by multiple meanings. In popular usage, theory is used to mean something dreamed up to explain an observation or event. We often hear someone say, it's my theory that, but that's almost the opposite of what scientists mean by that word. A scientific theory, like cell theory or atomic theory, is a group of related ideas that has been extensively tested. It is based on observations, logical reasoning, and calculations. It produces explanations for a broad range of phenomena and makes predictions, allowing it to be tested. Now let's look at law. Another terminology misconception is evident if someone says when a theory is proved, it becomes a law. Nope. Theories do not grow up to become laws. A law does not provide an explanation as a theory does, but rather is a description of what we observe or can expect to observe. Newton's law of gravity specifies the force between two bodies and tells you to expect a dropped apple to fall, but it doesn't tell you why that force exists. 
Thus, as a law, it describes but doesn't explain. Laws are often expressed mathematically, as are Newton's laws of motion and law of gravity. The next term, hypothesis. The general public might think of a hypothesis as a guess, but people will more commonly use the unscientific version of the word theory for this. In school science lessons, many students are unfortunately taught that a hypothesis is a guess or educated guess at the outcome of an experiment. But that's not how actual scientists use the term. In most of physical science, a hypothesis is a tentative explanation for some observed phenomena. And then Matt closes his article, as he always does, with this statement, never stop learning. And this has been your K-12 Science Podcast. All right, we've got some laws and some theories and a little bit of hypothesis. I like Ooh. to use hypothesis. That's your favorite, I know. It is. I, I got to tell you, if, if I was still in the classroom... I'd be mm -hmm. using the bejiminis out of hypothesis. I'd have the kids using it with primary documents and resources and having them mark things up because mm -hmm. it gives kids a chance to um, be in control and be doing the work. And that's what I like. I like when the kids are doing the work and you can set it up so that they respond to a question. So you could ask a question. They could respond right there and, Mm -hmm. <clears throat> they can respond in a variety of ways, you know, including embedding videos and all kinds of things. So I just think hypothesis is wonderful. I like it a lot. So, all right. So, um, let's see here. Um, this past week we had a few things going on. We did. Um, uh, You've had an interesting experience where I am titling this part, Take Your Victories Where You Can. <laughs> yes. Because you've been teaching kids things or kids have been learning or demonstrating that they're learning things that are slightly different than you intended. Yeah, I think we call this also uh, the law of unintended consequences. <laughs> yep. Yes. Speaking of laws, that's, that's the transition I should have used from, from Dave. There you go. Um, yeah, no. So I, um, the kids were very proud. Um, I, at first I need to tell you, I really like the seventh grade group I have. I really like this group. If yeah. I had a choice to loop with them to eighth grade, I would sign up to loop with them in a heartbeat. Um, these, I like these kids. So, uh, they're very proud of themselves and they came and demonstrated to me, Mr. Gurr, you know, there's an easier way to do this. And I should mention what this is. This is uh, in H5P, there's something called an interactive book. Yes. And I like it because I can integrate integra uh, uh, interactive video. I can put in audio. I can put in text. I can do a collage of pictures. I can build um, uh, my own dynamic uh, little textbook. And then I can put formative questions inside of it. Yes. Right. And I like this a lot. I am so, also okay. a very big fan of the interactive book. Yes. Yeah. I, I like this this little module. Um and it's actually uh one of the one of the guys I uh mentor he was, he was uh my mentee uh teacher 
um, who came to me and said, Hey, you got to try this. And I was using something else and I thought, Oh, I'm, I'm dropping that and going straight to this. Um, so, uh, they said, well, you know how you're being super helpful and you're putting the show solution at the end, right? So we can actually see, you know, where we made our mistakes. Yeah. Yeah. So what you do is you don't even put in answers. You just hit show solution, you know, submit it and hit show solution. And then you open up a new tab and you just copy paste the words over and you don't have to read anything, Mr. McGregor. Isn't that cool? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cause that's the thing I want to teach you. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah. You guys are like water. You find the lowest level every time. So, um, so essentially yeah, so, what you've got set up is you have an interactive book set up. So they're going through, right. they're, they're doing their reading while they're supposed to be doing their reading, watching yeah, a video, it, something yeah, like a close that. Activity. Right. What? Yeah. So there's in the, in the close activity, they've got words on the side and they have to fit yeah. them into the text and they can do it while they're listening to the text as well. So there's supports there for the, for the text. Anyway, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, so they're so they're they, they can watch a video. They're reading the text, and then when they yep. get to the close activity, um, mm-hmm. you have it so that they have to enter the text, or do they just, drag uh, it in? Drag the words. Drag the words. So yep. they're doing the drag the words, and, <laughs> and what they've done is they have added opened up a new tab. Yep. Um. So they're doing probably a split screen side by side. Did they? Oh, they're just doing a tab. Tab one, tab two. And uh, so they need to learn how to do split screen so that they don't have to actually click back and forth. (laughs) Not a skill we're going to teach. And they're looking. They learn that when they get to college. And you have, (laughs) you you are allowing them to see the solution so that they can. um, Not anymore. And instead of them attempting, they are just clicking show me the solution and then dragging yeah. it in because they have multiple chances at this. So they yeah. just get to, they're, they're just doing the end around on this one. Mm-hmm. Yep. Nice. Yep. So you are teaching because... them valuable <laughs> technology yeah. skills. Yep. But not necessarily the content that you're aiming for here. On the on the teaching the morals scale, really, really low, like in the <laughs> negative range. This is not what we want to teach them for ethics. But but they're middle schoolers, and so they you know haven't developed that sense of ethics yeah. yet, and they're in the process of doing that. So I made some adjustments, and they came and they complained to me, Mister Gurr, We don't we don't like chapter 18 i said well why i said well where's the show show solution i need to know what i got wrong no you don't (laughs) go figure it out you can do this you're smart but it's work yeah yeah it is it's you know exercising your brain but you know what you're smart you can do this and then they realize you know what they're trying to do and they're like yeah we're on to you miss bricker we see you it's like, go back and sit down. You got this. We're on to you being on to us. <laughs> the seventh grade mafia will take care of you. Yeah. Yeah. So, no, they're pretty good about it. They're Like I said, they were just so super proud that they'd figured out how to get around. You know, we one up you. Yep. Watch this. Click. <laughs> yeah. One up me now, buddy. So... <laughs> We had fun with it. Uh, 
So that that's one of the nice things, though, is with everything, with the the way things are formatted, you can make adjustments on the fly. Yep. Yeah. And, yes. and you can you can make adjustments <laughs> as to what it is that the kids really need, right? I mean, honestly, it's like, okay, which what's going to help the kids out the most? Is it showing them the answer? Or is it not showing them the answer? And you get to you get to work through that. So. Um, and that's just a click of a button. So that was cool. Um, that was awesome. The, the other thing that we talked about in the pre-show today was the whole concept of teacher talk. And you mentioned that, you know, with this group, you hadn't been doing a lot of talking. Oh, yeah. And so you decided maybe it was time for them to listen to the wonderful... Mr. McGurr. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that was my thought. Exactly. Uh, and so I did, I tried to, I tried to, um, I've been giving them a number of interactive books just because, because of the way the schedule has been working in the, for us that, and we had, um, we had our own version of the school shooter threat. Um, some kid made the threat. Um, and so we were out for a day. So we, I mean, we've had stuff's been going on since Lake Orion. Lake Orion's not too far away from us as the crow flies. And so all of Southeast Michigan is getting copycat uh, calls. Now, nobody's ever. Wait, wait a minute. Lake Orion or Oxford? Oh, I'm sorry. Oxford. Lake Orion's right next door. I apologize. Yes, Lake yes, Orion I'm, did an event okay. last night for Oxford, and that's why yeah. it's on the brain. I apologize. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, and Melvindale High School's doing an event uh, for Oxford. Sorry. It's a. Uh, they, they run together because there's a lot going on here in this region, you know, supporting and, the and, Oxford schools. And I schools. did read of lots of schools that immediately after had canceled and several, they had several, um, unfortunately, they had several threats um, as well in the neighborhood of Oxford um, yeah. schools. So um, well, it's reached all the way out to Plymouth uh, Community Schools. Um, and so they locked kids down in their rooms for an, uh, a whole, almost a whole day while they were searching for a possible shooter. And it turns out it was just a kid who was messing around and mm-hmm. there wasn't an actual shooter, but once the kid got into the lie, they couldn't get themselves out and right. it created a you know, bigger problem, which, which is what we're seeing with a lot of these kids. It's like, well, it was just, you know, okay, no, sorry. <laughs> we have to take this seriously. And we're also seeing uh, a lot of administrations around this area taking everything seriously, like to the nth degree, uh, because of what happened up at Oxford. Right. Um, and that is, that and, really is the tough point. The, the tough part of this is, you know, kids say things and do things every day and administrators deal with this every day. And, you know, 999 times or 99,999 times out of 100,000, nothing happens. But when something does happen, it literally has life, um, you know, impacts on life. And in hindsight is always easy, right? You should have Mm -hmm. done this, you should have done that. But it can be very difficult to to navigate those things as well. So, yeah. Yeah. 
well, and they don't want to make the uh, the the news uh, or uh, yeah, well, the news because there's a a certain um, boisterous, loud lawyer in this region uh, who is now taking the district and individuals inside the school um, to court right. in a civil suit based on or on behalf of injured uh, students. So, you know, this is going to turn into. You know, a couple of people's decisions in this whole process is actually going to radically change the trajectory of a great many people's lives who weren't in that involved in that singular individual decision. And um, you know, this is going to take up the next ten years of their life just in court litigating all the stuff that's going to be coming down. And administrators are are like, yeah, I don't need that i don't want that so yeah and for teachers too it's like do you talk to your kids about this and how do you talk about it um because there's a lot of potential for that to go astray as well yes no matter how no matter how that's dealt with um it's very easy to get a uh you know a parent that is upset about what you do or don't say and all, all of that as well so oh yeah yeah and we we chose to talk about it in terms of choices right. you know every day you make choices about things and there are consequences to choices and that was that was the big thing that the kids wanted to talk about was well let's talk about where these what's going to happen to these kids in just in wayne county there are 26 kids now who've made these uh phone calls or threats online threats and there are 26 kids who uh, uh, Kim Worthy is now ready to throw under the jail. She said, sent out a letter saying, we will prosecute you to the fullest extent of the law. And then she mm-hmm. gave examples of, the, you know, these are the things, uh, the charges that I'm looking at filing if you pull a stunt like this. And it's quite the litany. And uh, we talked about that when the kids said, my word, Mr. Weir, you know, whoever did this is is really their life is is practically over I said yeah they're that pretty much and we're, and then and then we talked in terms of the the uh, oxford shooter they said well his life is over i said well let's talk about what is his life going to be like and they're like yeah no you know none of the things he's going to experience or should have experienced in life he's going to experience in life he's just going to be sitting and um then we talked about you know being forward looking and telling and, and and thinking about things in the future, giving the kids then hope because look, this is what's coming up for you. Look, this is what else is coming up for you. You know, think about you know planning out your life ahead. Don't focus on right now in this moment. Think about moving forward into the future. And for a lot of the kids, that made a huge difference. Now, I will say also that you know we have we've had our our our, our struggles as well. We had our school social worker and counselors have been working around the clock and that is not an exaggeration they're getting phone calls in the middle of the night that they're getting up mm-hmm. and they're answering and then they're turning around and calling uh, social services and saying look i need help and support for this kid because they're in crisis and uh, we've had a number of those things this week and so um when we get to christmas break uh <laughs> i hope they turn off their phones i hope they take some time and really just rest themselves and get ready for the the long haul for the the rest of the year because it has been uh for them uh an exhausting um seven eight days uh for them I, I, there's uh we have a new uh social worker who is right fresh out of grad school 
and she's excited about the kids and everything is an adventure and she has that joy mm-hmm. uh that, you know just interacting and working with the kids and you can see that spark and i step back and go yeah that's awesome to see that she walked in the other bu- uh, the other building the other day and it was gone and i was like no we got to mm-hmm. get that back for you but it's all been this week and all the things that that she's had to challenges she's had to take on with some of the things that the kids have been doing now, by all means, it's not the vast majority. We're talking about a small group of kids that have just um, eaten up every single resource that we can give them. It's not a huge amount. It's a small amount of kids, but it's like a bottomless pit of attention and need. Right. So, um, you know, we just don't have enough people to to tag team them and, and, and give them a break and give them rest. By them, I mean the social workers. So we've had that this week. So, yeah, t- uh, we got way off the topic, didn't we? Yeah. Then, yeah, but that's... But so, that's, right. that's real world. That's what uh, kids are dealing with at this point. That's what teaching staff is dealing with. That's what administrators are dealing with. That's what parents mm-hmm. are dealing with. That's what we as a culture are dealing with. Because, you know, um, it's just... It is what it is right now, and... Um, you know, hopefully we can get things under control and move forward, but it's tough. It's tough for everybody. So, um, so reference in teacher talk, I, I'll, I'll get us back on that. that yeah, I was going to say, okay. Um, so I, I've been giving them a number of interactive books to do because that means I could drop something and go help. Right. Mm-hmm. And and they're and they're still learning and they're still doing things. Plus, it's interactive because and I love the the uh, the voice piece. So it's not just reading and listening. It's also click the button and give me a video response to this. Um, give me a reaction to it. Give me a written a, a spoken uh, answer to this question. So I mean, it includes all this wonderful stuff, right? And that means, by the way, that means that every kid can respond. Right? Right. Like if you do yep. that in a class, one kid responds and everybody else goes, uh-huh, what he said. <laughs> yeah, right. Right. But this way, every kid has to respond. Yeah, or that kid says, well, my answer is not any better than his. His answer is better, so I won't give my answer. And it's like, no, I want to hear from you too. But yeah, yeah so this is actually a, a better – I like it better, and I get to hear it. And it's really quick because they don't – They'll, they, they'll click the button and they don't want to talk long because they think everybody can hear it. It's like, even no matter how many times you tell them, no, it's just you and me. But mm-hmm. anyway, um, the glossary activity, we're just going to sidetrack here. The glossary activity is wonderful. And I'm getting the kids to start to do some video with the glossary activity where they, you know, give me a verbal response inside the glossary activity. Cause now they've done it enough times. They realize, Oh, Ms. McGurk is the only one who sees it. Not everybody sees my, response to my answer and it's like you can yes what i told you is true see it's carried through and carried out and once they see that then we'll get them but i've had to also said some kids open up more and had a chance to do some different things we have one who's a non-talker so i called her chatterbox the other day and she looked at me and she laughed because she knows she's not a chatterbox but just that was enough to break the ice and get her start talking mm-hmm. and she's a she's a super tiny thing and so she tapped my class ring on my finger and wanted to know what it was. And I said, well, this is my class ring. And then I held her, or I told her, hold out her fist and stick up her thumb. And as I put the ring over her thumb, of course, it was giant. 
a giant ring on her thumb. I could fit two or three of her thumbs inside. She laughed so hard because, you know, on my finger it looks normal, but you put it on hers and it's like, no, this is silly, right? But that was the thing that got her to open up this week and it cracked the... It cracked the speaking ice, so to speak. Anyway, so, I mean, that's so, it's, you know, I'm going to get more a better response from her on this H5P stuff. Um, yeah, so I started talking. I started uh, doing – I had not lectured in a, in, a, in a little while. And so I did a lecture, just really quick lecture and didn't want much. And they stopped me and they said, can we just – can we go back to the interactive books, please? And maybe you just, like, not – talk i only talked for 15 minutes i you know was just trying to i was using a map to give them a visual to, to see where everything was taking place and they was like no we got this we, we we have maps you put maps in the interactive book we see this you know you just just let us work oh okay i will get out of your way so that was kind of fun that's it does that's not something that happens a whole lot but um that was fun for me this week cool well, one of the things that's been fun for me is I've been on a self-assessment journey, um, and that is, um, I don't remember if we talked about this the last show or not, but. No, nope, but have... I will say you are looking better. <laughs> well, thank you. Um, <laughs> that's the type of self-assessment you mean, right? You know, you're right. self-assessing. Yeah. No. Um, I got it. I'm choosing to move on. <laughs> I know. I want to belabor the point because once I start talking, I'm good for 55 minutes. <laughs> so um, there's a teacher who had who wants the kids to do a self-assessment and turn it in with their work. And I'm like, this is awesome. And this is a great... Um, this is great pedagogy. It's a great idea. Mm -hmm. um, and um, I think you should be able to do that. And so I looked <clears throat> and I found a great write-up about self-assessment in Moodle. Um, and it was done by me. <laughs> <laughs> it was done by me like two years ago. And so present to me is very happy with past me that I wrote this up. Yay. And so the teacher was doing this, and they were doing it with Google Docs, uh, Google mm -hmm. Spreadsheet, uh, actually. But the management is just overwhelming. Um, not all that great. So I've been talking about this, and I'm like, can't we do I'm Because you could do this in peer assessment, right? In, I'm sorry, workshop mm -hmm. module. So workshop module in Moodle, you can do it. Kids can self-assess. And then, uh, but the, the it's really built for other kids to assess as well. So I posted this on the Moodle forums and I got a response. One of the responses was from Marcus Green, who does great work. And he's like, you know, somebody did peer assessment before. And I was like, well, cool. Uh, and he's like, maybe that could be repurposed. And I looked at it. Um, and I've installed it. And peer assessment's neat because it works with the assignment module, so it it doesn't it doesn't work quite the same way as workshop module does. But mm -hmm. it you know it kids can turn things in at different times, and but you have to build a enough 
um, entries before kids can do an assessment. So that's like, that didn't quite work. But then somebody has found something. Um, Dave over at um, Bismarck Schools in North Dakota, uh, they do some really neat stuff. I don't think we've talked about North Dakota, but they, the Bismarck, and I think they do some nice, Min some great stuff. Um, and we've collaborated on a few that. things. We've chatted about a few things. So, and Dave's on this thing that it hasn't been updated in a little while, but this is exactly what I'm looking for. Um, it's a Moodle plugin, and the kids self-assess as they're turning something in, and then the teacher uses the same rubric, and the rubric shows what the kid answered and what the teacher's evaluating. So on the same rubric, so it is awesome. Um, I haven't had a chance to play around with it much. Um, I want to install it and see how it goes. Uh, so it may need to be updated, but um, I'm kind of excited because I think this is awesome. It's like somebody else had the idea as well. Uh, but I think self-assessment is so powerful. And getting kids to do a self-assessment and then... The teacher doing assessment, um, I just like, yeah, this is this is great. So so we'll see. So I have to play around with it some more. I've got to test it out. Do some do some um, some sanity checking, um, and maybe looking for somebody to update the plugin. But we'll see. So that's been my journey and my. My journey, the one thing that really came out of the, one of the things that really came out of this is the power of a network, the power of knowing people, knowing, you know, just some really great people um, who are willing to share and look and help as well. So, so yeah, we've got that. Um, the other thing that I've been working on this week has been tying tech to curriculum. Um, and this is one of the things that's, you know, kind of my, my journey and my calling is I really think that we should be taking the tech tools and tying them into curriculum. So instead of this great shiny new thing here, try this tool out. It's like, what's the curriculum? And then what strategies and what tech tools can we utilize to help you meet that curriculum? So that's what I've been working on this week. And I've been learning a lot about um, standards and benchmarks um, in how a certain state has uh, made just minor adjustments, which <laughs> impact my world because... Uh, uh, so here's the thing. I use a lot of spreadsheets. Um, spreadsheets are nice because they format things. You can then slice and dice and you can use them. You can combine things. You can just do a lot with a spreadsheet once you know how to use spreadsheets. So I have the common core standards on a spreadsheet and have for a while. And so I went to compare the main standards and benchmarks to the common core standards and benchmarks. And guess what? Oh, what's that? They are almost the same. Here's oh, the no. problem. Yeah. 
Almost. (laughs) 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 Missed it by that much. In the the tech world, almost doesn't do it, right? And so, you know, when we're communicating and we're talking, it's like, um, so I've got to figure out, and I haven't been able to find the main standards and benchmarks on a spreadsheet yet. So, um, yeah, so I'm working on that, but my, my goal is to really take a look at the, look at the curriculum and see where tech can fit into it. So, you know, that's the, the other, um, goal that I've, and that's a long-term goal. That's going to take a while. It's going to be a lot of work to go through and, and do that. But you know, that's, that's what we're doing, where we're going. Speaking of where we're going, we had a conversation just before the show about future tech and specifically Apple and some of the work that they're doing. And one of the things that came up is future field trips. And so I thought it'd be nice to kind of share what you're you're thinking about as far as future field trips go. Well, first of all, I'd like somebody to hire me to go to all these places and grab some uh, video and, uh, 360 images and, uh, other things to stitch together and turn into a, uh, virtual a VR, AR type of experience. Cause I think maybe that's the way we have to go with the age of COVID, right? And with the advances in technology, does this become more of a realistic option? Mm-hmm. Granted, it's going to be expensive technology, but you know, after time, over time, it, prices come down and it becomes much, much more, uh, reasonable. Um, and then of course, uh, uh, just double checking on H5P site here just now, H5P's next, uh, update is supposed to include an AR style plugin, which I don't know exactly what it means, but I imagine it's going to be, you could like create your own Pokemon go type of things where kids would use AR VR. Um, and, to go and find things or to create your own different adventures. That's called an AR scavenger hunt. That's what Mm -hmm. makes me think it's like a Pokemon go thing. But can you imagine doing that where you create a scavenger hunt, building introductions for new students, but then, you know, you create these other things where kids go and they get to move around and they get to hunt and find and look for a variety of things. It takes the gallery walk to a much different level of adventure and um, also expands your zone of operation and influence. But, um, I'm wondering, you know, if, you know, the future of field trips is going to be more of the experience inside the head rather than the sit 10 hours in a bus to go and experience. It's just, yeah. you know, things we were talking about. And, and you're talking and about the uh, two tech things side of it. Come, two things kind of come to mind for me. Mm-hmm. One is Google Expeditions, which we piloted. Geez, back when I was in the, as, as a principal, um, where we we and we had a few of those, and those were we were a pilot school with Google Expeditions. So Google came in, Google representatives came in, had some of our mm-hmm. teachers try out the Google Expeditions with the kids, and the kids were using it, and it was mostly science focused. Um, but what it really turned out was that it was more field trip than um, science. 
I think their goals were a little bigger than what they could deliver on. And I'm not sure that they really realized how education works and how kids learning kind of works. Or maybe they just thought that technology was going to do more than it did. So I don't think it really ended up working out well as far as a science activity. But as far as a field trip, I think it was had a lot of potential. Um, and again, we haven't heard, I haven't heard tons from Google expeditions uh, still around. You can still do the Google expeditions, but, um, mm-hmm. you know, they haven't been in the in the headlines lately, let's say. Have they been moved over to the arts and culture section yep, yet? They have. Okay. All right. So, um, so that part has been um, kind kind of interesting, and you know we were talking about how Apple's got seems to have a powerhouse with Apple Silicon, um, and potentially have small devices. So they could re- really do some work with it. So we'll see how it goes. But a virtual field trip is not the same as a real field trip. And virtual field trips allow us to go places that we just can't go. So, right, right? it's kind of in the middle Mm -hmm. there. It's not as good as going in person. Like for your kids, being able to Mm -hmm. go to Greenfield Village, I'm sorry, go to the Henry Ford. (laughs) Mm-hmm. Um, is going to be more powerful than visiting it um, virtually. Mm-hmm. But my kids, they're not going to the Henry Ford. They're not. Uh, that's too far for them to go as a field trip. So being able to visit that virtually would be more powerful than not having that experience at all. So... Um, so I think you're right. I think it's interesting to see where that's going to go um, as well. So, Speaking of going, um, you might want to go check out the Twitterverse. Ooh, the Twitterverse, AMLE. We're going to start our tour of the Twitterverse today at AMLE. They have um, a store like everybody else does but uh, if you're looking for some stocking stuffers for that middle school educator in your life stop by the amle store by december 17th to get a 20 percent off your purchase including the successful middle school this we believe and pre-orders on their newest titles all orders also include a free amle tote bag if you have a tote right. you need to put in the bag yeah so there you go there's a uh, there's saving you middle school matters, saving you some money. Uh, typical edgy celebrity at edgy celebrity, our favorite Twitter satirist. Uh, we've reached the point of the school year where teachers look for, uh, to long-term weather forecasts, desperately looking for a potential snow day. Um, we had that, uh, we had that, uh, um, shooter day. Let's just call it that for lack of a better term. And I was wondering if our administration was going to say, all right, just go meet your kids in your Google Meet online and you can just have class online instead of. But instead they said, no, you know what? You guys take the day. You take the day and it's yours. 
and while hmm. we figure out this whole kid situation, which I was very grateful. I was thankful that they did that. They did that. Jack Berkmeyer at Jay Berkmeyer. Parents, you are not helping your child when they get in trouble at school and you respond by saying next time, don't get caught. Time to support schools, teachers, and your child. Ownership of responsibility is critical to the, to the success of a child. So uh, it's Jack saying it, uh, not your local teachers that are saying it, but uh, uh, that's something that you could uh, have a discussion about in the uh, <laughs> the teacher workroom. Jack Connor also, Ewing. Jack also missed out on the Oxford comma there, by the way. Oh, sure enough. Yes. I, I'm not sure that out there in Denver that they do that. But, yes, you're right. You did miss out on the Oxford comma. They, you know, it's Twitter, so you 144 characters. So it's I had 188. A, oh, I'm sorry. It's 288. So I – well, I guess I didn't do double than Twitter. So I, I made a uh, – I made a inside H5P. I did an essay response, and I gave the kids 300 characters because I don't want a lot of writing. And, of course, we have our favorite email student, right, who emails me all the time. <laughs> I did not check today to see if he emailed. I'll do that in a minute. Um, but I told him straight up on Friday, I said, you have a wonderful weekend. I am not answering my emails this weekend. And he looked at me and he laughed and he goes, okay, I get it. Um, but uh, I, I put an essay thing in there and I put the limit at 300 characters. And uh, he, he, being his wordy self, he came up to me to complain. He goes, I don't know if you realize this or not. I think something's wrong with Moodle. <laughs> What's wrong with Moodle? Because it only lets me type 300 characters. It won't let me type more than that. And I need more space. And I came really close to saying, it's time to, it's time to, you know, brevity is the soul of wit. Maybe you should, you know, I thought he's never, he's not, it's not ready for that yet. So I said, well, you just, you keep trying see if you can, you know, trim it down or you see what you can do to fit it inside there. <laughs> And um, so he went back and worked at it for a while, but I know for him that was a that was a struggle. Um, so speaking of uh, struggling, Connor Ewing uh, is uh, mentioning that uh, Kenyon Wilson is struggling. Now Kenyon Wilson is a is a college professor, but I think um, I think his struggle is one that middle school teachers struggle with all the time. Uh, Connor Ewing reposted this, and he said, Students don't read syllabi. Exhibit 58-623. And Kenyon Wilson posted a picture of a locker. Um, I don't know. I know at University of Detroit Mercy, there are lockers all through the hallway. And if you want a locker, you just simply use it, put a lock on it, and, you know, it's yours for as long as your lock is on it. Mm -hmm. And uh, so he's posted a, a locker um, picture, and inside is a pencil piece of paper that says sign your name and $50 bill and he locks it at the beginning of the semester and he posts the combination and the locker number explaining what's inside at the on his syllabus but he never talks about it just it's in the syllabus and to this date no one has collected the 50 bucks <laughs> so now he's looking for more ideas to do to prove that students don't read syllabi Something that teachers should do is they should hashtag MS Chat every Thursday at 8 p.m. at Eastern Standard Time. And as Troy says, the Twitter never stops. It doesn't. The other one who never stops is Larry Ferlazzo. Yeah, he's a machine. He is. He has a neat blog post called The Similarities Between How We Look at Car Crashes 
and how we look at schools. And I did think this was interesting. Um, this is, and basically it is the concept that we, we usually say that, well, 94% um, of car crashes, human error is designed, is described as the critical reason. But the article goes on and explains the real cause of most crashes um, can go back to systematic issues like road and vehicle design. So there's there's a tie in here, right? There's the the thing that happens before the last thing that then happens as far as the um, the the car crash. And this is, you know, the idea that human error causes nearly all crashes is a useful talking point. Um, and it, it allows us to give, to have a, a point of blame, right? We can say, well, if the, mm -hmm. if the person would have just been paying more attention, if the person would have just done this, if, you know, and, and we don't get back to looking at, well, could we design things better? Um, and, and make things safer. And I find this interesting because I live in a land now where there are lots of roundabouts, mm -hmm. right? And Michigan yes. very, very much does not have roundabouts. No, uh, and Washtenaw County does, but that's about it. Yeah, there's only a couple that have been added in. And the research shows that roundabouts actually cut down on traffic incidents quite dramatically, mm -hmm. right? Once people learn how they work, yes. <laughs> yes. So, um, <laughs> and I'm a fan of the roundabout, honestly. Uh, it makes sense to me. It, um, you know, I, like I am it, too it, in a roundabout sort of way. In a roundabout sort of way. <clears throat> um, so that's, that's one example um, where, you know, we could design things that are safer but it's easier to, you know, just say, well, if the person would have been paying more attention or if the person would have done this. And, and he correlates that or compares that, I should say. He compares that to schools where teachers are held accountable. But we know that for student success or failure, lots of research has found that other factors are very much in play here, right? Um, socioeconomic ones, racism, there's lots of other things that come into play as far as student assessment. So I thought it was kind of a, an interesting perspective and way to look at things and, and a couple of things that we really should be talking about as a culture and as a society. So... So sometimes we also need to find a nice way to say no. Yes. And so, um, Elga... you, sh you should have disagreed with me. No, no, we don't. <laughs> we don't, we don't need to say no. Wait, wait, what? This is going to, this is going to put me in a hard way. Cause now I have to say yes to everything. And that's, that's, that's not going to happen. No, no way. It's not going to happen. Um, yeah, so uh, Elga Slantonin of uh, Lithuanian Language Teachers Association, uh, it's abbreviated to LKPA in our show notes here. Yes, I know LKPA doesn't match up with 
Lithuanian language teach LTA, but lost in translation. Let's just talk it up to that. And I'm not going to pronounce the words in Lithuanian. It's uh, my uh, it's more twisted my tongue than is uh, used to doing. But she posted an interesting. She posts regular posts on language stuff all the time. She does post in English, and so if you want to follow her, I recommend it. Um, uh, just do LKPA in, in Facebook, and you'll find some really good stuff. She posts one or two things every single day. She's uh, she does a wonderful job, and she posted this pic that says nice ways to say no. And so there's ten ways to say no. So this is my response to Troy when he asked me about um, working those extra hours for. Well, the same amount of pay that he's paying me right now. Mm-hmm. So uh, my first response would be, sounds nice, but I am not available. And then number two is, uh, I'm honored that you asked me, but I, I can't do it. That, that's probably the one I'm going to st- stick with for him. But um, number three is, I'm sorry, but I can't help you at this time. And number four is, unfortunately, it's not a good time. I think that one gets used a lot. Number five, I'm not available at the moment. May I, I, I may be, or, or maybe next time, sorry. And um, six is, unfortunately, this is not something I can do right now. Sorry, the, the not was me. I'll try that again. Unfortunately, this is not something I can do right now. There we go. That's probably a little better. And there's uh, four more for you in that list. I thought it was really good because mm-hmm. um, this is when principals and administrators get the, uh, the, 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 the hankering that maybe we should be doing something more. And sometimes uh, we do a lot as it is, and evaluations are coming up, and we want to say no, and so we need to say no. And, and this, here's some ways to say no. Um, I am not wearing the elf hat on the next podcast. Uh, sounds nice, but I am not available for wearing the elf hat on the next podcast. That's right. And um, I think it's... I think it's really important that you have those kind of, that you have them practiced and ready to go kind of thing too, you know? Oh, yeah. yeah. Yep. Um, speaking of time, you yeah. might need to find the time. So, oh yeah. Uh, Rick Wormley has uh, retooled this article. This, I guess he, he published it way back in 2012. Which I laugh because way back in 2012, it feels like yesterday. <laughs> um, but he says he's pulled this out and retooled it, and he's going to pull it. He pulled it out again, and he retooled it for how to do the same things, but in the time of COVID. And um, it's all about. Um, well, the first the first paragraph says uh, many schools aren't designed for teaching. Most are designed to protect the status quo, emphasizing curriculums, traverse, and compliance more than student or solid student learning that lasts entering our third decade of the 21st century. We know uh, this entrenched cattle call from class to class limits students learning. We know we can do better. And then he gives a bunch of strategies about, look, so uh, here's how you manage time and manage time uh, more wisely. And it's a great article to take a look at, especially as you're reaching the Christmas break, uh, at least in the, our hemisphere. Um, to stop, and as you rethink about and you, you 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 ponder what's coming in January and doing it next, now's the time to sit and retool some things. And there's some great strategies in the article. I would, I'm going to tell you to click the link on our on our page to to reference the article. But don't do all the strategies because there's a lot. 
Um, pick, pick <laughs> you don't one. have to, if you time do, to do all the no, strategies. <laughs> and, and that's just it. If you do all the things he suggests, you really won't have time. It defeats the uh, title of his article, right? Um, but uh, take a look at some of the things he's talking about there that uh, in the long run will save you time as a, a teacher. Administrators could probably get some good ideas out of this as well. I just prepared be prepared for teachers to use the previous post uh, or article about uh, saying no sometimes. Right. You could come to it as an immigrant. <laughs> yeah, just uh, real quick. This is uh, December 18th. So coming up next week or sometime later this week, depending on when you're listening to the show or potentially last week, I guess, if you're listening or in the past, if you're listening in the future. This whole time shifting thing is kind of interesting. Um, December 18th is International Migrants Day. Um, and the 2021 theme is harnessing the potential of human mobility. Um, and so migration and migrants is something uh, is that I think we should be talking about. We should be helping kids understand, especially in, um, especially in America, where um, the you know historically there's a lot of, been a lot of migration and a lot of migrants have come to the United States. So for a lot of a lot of our population in their their family tree, there's going to be probably a migrant or two. Um, and understanding why that happens and um, and how that impacts at least a couple of different areas, the where people are leaving from and where they're going to. There is about 3.6% of the global population that are migrants. So that was kind of interesting as well. You might say that it could be a state of emergency. State of emergency. Access, the culture translator, um, uh, posted a couple of uh, things in their uh, newsletter this week. And one of them is that uh, the Surgeon General, the U.S. Surgeon General, has issued an advisory, and there's a link to the advisory uh, this week, warning of a massive mental health uh, crisis among young people, including an increase in suicidal uh, ideation, depression, and anxiety. So it's something to be watching out for. In, in our schools, particularly in the amongst middle school students who are struggling with handling uh, emotions and reading emotions in other people. Um, so it's good to keep an eye out for that right now. Uh, has anybody ever told you? <clears throat> this would have been my 13th, uh, 13th reason for something or anything. I have not heard that. I yeah. haven't either. But apparently it's a phrase uh, it's a slang of the week. Uh, it's apparently it's a phrase used mostly on social media as an irreverent nod to the Netflix show 13 Reasons Why. Uh, indicates that something is so dumb or offensive that it's enough to push someone into a mental health abyss, which is interesting because Surgeon General says we're in that crisis. So I thought they tied together pretty well. Um, yeah, so something to watch out for as you see kids using social media uh, throughout the the season. 
Can I just say that it's interesting to me that the references to Netflix, mm -hmm. because there is, there, it really starts with a book, right? It's a novel. 13 right. Reasons Why was originally a novel. Mm -hmm. um, and then it became, you know, the Netflix was built, it was, um, it comes from the novel. Was inspired by or developed from the novel. Mm-hmm. So, uh, just interesting that we make the reference to the movie, not the book, kind of thing. So, all right. So the um, the thing that you could do is you could head over to iTunes and give us a five star rating. We would greatly appreciate that. We are, I believe. I believe this in my heart that we are the longest running middle school focused podcast in the entire world. Yes, that includes British Columbia, by the way. <laughs> why British? Why British Columbia? I'll never know. Mr. McGurr, you remain an enigma at times. Oh, there's a guy in British Columbia who knows exactly what I'm talking about. <laughs> All right. Um, so we would appreciate if you'd head over to iTunes, give us a five-star rating, or Stitcher, or any of the pod catchers. If they have any ratings, please give us a five-star rating. Tell us why Sean McGurr is the world's greatest co-show host. You can head over to middleschoolmatters.com where we have notes and links to everything that we've talked about and usually additional things as well. For example, this week, there are additional jokes that we did not discuss, a couple of true. written ones and a visual one. I really, really like the visual one, by the way. Usually I really do like the visual ones, but since this is an audio podcast, it's mm -hmm. a little harder to... Um, I don't like explaining them True. as much, so you know there there is that. Um, but we do have all of those over there and links to previous podcasts. We really would love it if you would get on the Twitters or other social media and send out a link to Middle School Matters. That would help us out tremendously. Um, we we love to hear from you, and of course, we really would love to hear from you. And at Middle School Matters, we have links where you can shoot us an email, you can um, give us a call, you can do all kinds of things. So, um, with that, this has been Middle School Matters for middle school educators who care. Who care?